Blog Talk Radio. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pgan. And you can send messages to the show on Twitter at go for again You can also send messages to the show at the chat room here at blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. Should be a great show. Should be a great time, as always. Great show lined up for you. are expected to be joined by one of the stars of Tyler Perry's hit movie, Temptation, Confession of a Marriage Counselor, Robbie Jones. Robbie Jones played Harley in that movie. Robbie had a very, very prominent role in that particular movie. And we're going to talk to Robbie about that movie, talk about his role in that particular movie, and also talk about Robbie's Sacramento Kings. He's a Sacramento boy, so we're going to talk about that. Robbie does have a little game, so we're going to talk to Robbie about all those things. Also going to be joined by a couple NFL draft prospects, Kendrick Payne, defensive lineman from the University of Cal, also LSU punter Brad Wing, and Brad is expected to go as possibly as high as the second round. I mean, so... He's the number one rated punter in this NFL draft, and we're going to talk to Brad about his preparation for this upcoming NFL draft. Also going to be joined by St. Peter's assistant coach Marlon Guild. He's going to stop on by. We're going to discuss the final four. The final four, we're going to discuss it. We're going to talk about it. It seems like it's Louisville and everybody else, but we're going to talk to Marlon about that. We're also going to talk about the weekend in television sports, what to watch, we're going to be joined by Brian Sheriff, and he's going to give us the lowdown on what to watch in the world of sports this weekend. So a great show lined up for you today. She'll be an exciting, good old time. I want to start now in Piscataway, New Jersey, with the Rutgers scandal, the whole situation with Mike Rice, and, and we saw the video this week on Outside the Lines on ESPN. We had Mike Rice throwing basketballs and, and abusing his players, calling his, his players various names, homophobic slurs, and things of that nature. And, you know, the thing about it is, you know, this, this video was given to the athletic director, director Tim Pernetti, who we all know resigned yesterday, but this video was given to him in November. And, and Pernetti, you know, he talked to whoever he needed to talk to within the Rutgers organization, the president of Rutgers, the general counsel, the lawyers, everybody. He talked to everybody that he needed to talk to. And, you know, after viewing the video, he decided that uh, the, the punishment for this whole situation, he also brought an outside investigator as well, but after viewing the video, his punishment for Pernetti was a $50,000 fine and a three-game suspension. And, you know, that flew and, and that, that happened in December. And, you know, the thing about it is we we didn't hear anything about it like that. It wasn't really a big story until – a couple of days ago when the ESPN showed the video. And then once we showed, you saw the video, 
you were saying to yourself, there's no way this guy could make it pass. You cannot make it pass this situation. There's no way he could make it pass this particular situation. There's no way he can get out of this, especially after it, made, it was made public on Sports Center. I mean, on outside the lines and ultimately on Sports Center. I mean, it was out there. It was put out there, and after people viewed the video, everybody was, was you know, it was a, a public outcry. Couldn't believe it. There's no way this guy can keep his job doing something like that. There's no way he should keep his job doing something like that. You knew there was no way he would keep his job after seeing that video. There's no way. I mean, in this day and age, there's no way. And maybe, maybe 20, 30 years ago, he would have gotten away with it. Maybe. Maybe he would have gotten away with this. But, you know, it's a different era here. It's a different world we live in now. You can't get away with, with throwing balls at players and pushing players and calling them homophobic slurs and things of that nature. You can't get away with that. And I think the reality is, is that thin line of trying to motivate and get your players on course is a thin line there, and sometimes we cross that line. You know, it's a thin line between getting into your player's face and then just going overboard with it. I mean, there's a thin line with that. There really is. And the thing about it, and, and I and I look at this story and I'm reminded of the Bible. It takes me back to the Bible and the notion of provoking your children and provoking your child and fathers should not provoke their children. And I got the sense here, in a lot of ways, you got to give the players credit in some respect for not, for not going back at Mike Rice. You got to give those players some credit for holding their composure. Because the thing is, you know, you're getting balls thrown at you, guys are grabbing on you and things of that nature. Natural reaction is a ball thrown at you, and especially if it hurts, the natural reaction is to throw it back. I mean, that, that would be the natural reaction. If you're out and about and you're playing basketball one night on the court and somebody throws a basketball at you, your natural reaction is to throw it back. I mean, that's just a natural reaction. That's what people do. And so you got to give the players credit on some level for holding their composure and not responding, not retaliating. Because if they did, you know, obviously they would have had a lot to lose. Scholarships, possibly kicked off the team, and things of that nature. I, I guess the guy that really looks good in this whole situation is Eric Murdoch. He, he's the guy that kind of looks good here in this situation because Eric Murdoch was the guy who was the one who, who told everybody at Rutgers about what was going on. He told them. He saw that he told them what was going on, and they didn't act. Well, at least they didn't act in terms of firing Mike Rice. But Eric Murdoch, in some respect now, you got to say he almost becomes a hero in this thing because he was the one that kind of exposed this whole thing. Also, ESPN, I mean, give them credit for exposing this story as well. I mean, do I think if Mike Rice had to do it over again, he would do it differently? Probably would do it the same. But now that it's a public outcry about it, he probably would think about trying to do things a little differently. Will Mike Rice get another opportunity here? He probably will. May not be tomorrow. May It's probably going to be two or three years from now. He'll get on somebody's staff. So he'll slowly work his way back. Or maybe he'll go the small school route, things of that nature. But he'll he'll get another shot. He'll get another opportunity, and hopefully he won't repeat this behavior. But the thing about it is, you know, you knew – that Pernetti would have to go. You knew that Mike Rice would have to go. You knew what was going to happen. You knew it. 
you knew all those guys were going to go. And, you know, we can talk about, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago how acceptable it was to possibly do these type of things. But, again, it's a different world we live in. I mean, a lot of things that we, we what were done, a lot of things that was done to us as children may not be as, you know, acceptable today. Spanking your kids may not be as acceptable as it once was today. It's just not. It's just not. It's, it's viewed differently in the world. It's viewed differently here. So the thing about it is, because of all those things, you got to be careful. And I think it's a lot like if you're a school teacher and, and you're trying to motivate your students to perform, motivate your students to do well, motivate your students to be ultimately successful. The thing about it is with that, you got to be careful. You've you got to be careful because, you know, you have, you have to motivate your students, but you know in the back of your mind you can't touch your students. You know you can't lay your hands on the students. You know you cannot touch students. So the reality is you have to do all you can do to motivate your students. But the reality is and there's pressure in motivating your students in terms of test scores and things of that nature, but the reality is you cannot lay your hands on, put your hands on students, and you have to be careful how far you go in terms of uh, when you're going after students and when you're talking to students. And you got to be careful. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. But I think hopefully now Mike Rice will have learned a lesson, and hopefully he'll do better moving on. But I think also, you know, coaches as a whole have to be careful. They have to be careful how they do things because the reality is, you don't know who's watching. You know, I mean, there's cameras everywhere. And the thing about it is what was acceptable, what was considered okay many moons ago, many years ago, is no longer considered okay. What was considered okay at one point is not considered okay now. So you have to be careful in what you do as a coach. You have to be careful. But you do understand, though, you do definitely understand how guys, how coaches, you know, how tough it is for them. How tough it is for them now to to keep their cool and keep their calm during pressure and adverse situations. But we'll get back to that. The final four is underway, well, about to be underway tonight in Atlanta, Hotlanta, final four. And, and it seems like everybody's talking. It's Louisville and everybody else. But let's preview this Final Four with St. Peter's assistant coach, the one, the only, Marlon Gill. Marlon, how are you, man? Paul, how's everything, man? How you doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Nah, no problem. Thanks for having me, man. And you know, the Final Four, it gets started tonight. It's going to be big. It's going to be exciting. But to me, Marlon, and to everybody else, it seems to be Louisville and everybody else. So we've seen Louisville and how dominant they've been, how they just turned it on against Duke, and it just like that, it was a close game, and just like that, it was over. And we look at it, the four opponents that they have played in this tournament, they have beaten them on average by 22 points per game. So they're averaging 22 points per game in terms of beating teams. So they've been dominant. Is this final for Louisville and everybody else? You know what, man? I would say yes, but you know what? The team they're playing against today, Wichita State, isn't isn't bad, and 
the thing that the Shockers have going for them right now is a lot of confidence, man. And, you know, it's one of those things when you have a young, and well, they're not young, you know, experienced and hungry team, you know, that know that they can get the job done now. You know, it, it won't be as easy as people think. And then, you know, on the other side of the bracket, you've got Michigan and, and Syracuse who, you know, at, at some point this year, you know, a lot of people would have considered these two teams the number one team in the country. Uh, so, you know, I don't think it's going to be Louisville's in a landslide. You know, eventually uh, I do think that they'll win uh, overall, but it won't be as easy as everybody thinks. Now, you talked about Wichita State. Many did not expect the Shockers to be here. And you look at Wichita State, 132 in the country in turnovers and turn the ball over. So you don't protect the ball too well. Louisville turns teams over. What do the Shockers need to do to have a shot in this game? Do they have to slow things down? What do they have to do? Well, you know, obviously, you know, they, they have to slow things down. Uh, the point guard that they have is, you know, pretty good. You know, he's going to have to keep the game under control. But, uh, you know, the big kid, Hall, and early, uh, those two guys, man, they're playing on another level right now, and especially early. And the biggest thing is, you know, like I said earlier, is if you have the confidence, it doesn't matter who's in front of you wearing that other jersey. Uh, you know, if, if your swagger is up and your confidence is up, you know, you're going to you're gonna want to go against anybody and, and think that you can come out on top. And I think that's what you're seeing from Wichita State right now. Uh, you know, winning those early games in the first two rounds was big. And then, you know, coming back and beating Ohio State, who some people thought was a, a one seed, you know, it, it's huge. And now going into this game, I, I don't think Wichita State's as worried about Louisville as Louisville is worried about Wichita State. Okay, okay. And, and we, we look at Louisville, the Kevin Ware factor. We know the gruesome injury that he had last week uh, against Duke. How much does that motivate Louisville? I mean, Louisville's already a talented team, already ha- has a lot of things going for them. But how much does the Kevin Ware factor motivate Louisville in this game and moving forward? Uh, you know, first off, man, you know, prayers still with Kevin Ware, uh, the way he's been able to bounce back from this injury. You know, God bless him, power to him, man. I don't know if I'd have been able to, to do that, but, you know, he's handling himself very well. And, you know, speaking on the team, I thought last week there, after the injury, you know, I'm sitting there watching the game and just saying this can go either way. They're either going to lose this game because they're out of it or they're going to turn things up. And, you know, they ended up turning things up and and really coming together as as a team. And to be honest, man, I've never seen nothing like that, you know, for a team to really just turn turn it around. Uh, I mean, you think about it, the last – injury or, or something along those lines that I saw was probably the Allen Ray injury against uh, Pitt in the Big East tournament a couple years ago. And, uh, you know, Nova was, wasn't able to come back from that. And, you know, to see Louisville do what they did last week, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's a factor, but it's not as big of a factor. I don't think it'll be as big of a factor this week. You know, they understand what what the task is at hand and, you know, what the end goal could be in you know, that playing in the national championship game Monday night. Now, you've been around the sport of basketball for, for a long time. Have you ever seen an injury quite like that? I mean, that's a, a football type of injury. I mean, you see that type of thing in football. Have you ever seen an injury like that on a basketball court? 
No, you know what, man? I, I haven't, and it's it's funny. Uh, I didn't actually see the injury during the game. I actually had it on DVR, and um, I was just looking through my Twitter feed and, you know, trying to find out how bad the injury was because I didn't know if I wanted to see it. So right. I, uh, you know, I, I just put on Twitter like, hey, was the injury worse than, you know, Sean Livingston's injury a couple years ago or uh, even the wrestler, Sid Vicious? I don't know if you remember his injury. I've heard he about it, but... uh, You know, and, and people told me it was worse. So I was like, oh, man. And then when I actually had a chance to see picture i was like wow you know i've never seen anything like that um i'm showing my age a little bit i didn't get a chance to see joe theisman's injury but uh definitely uh kevin kevin weir's injury is probably the worst that i've seen ever and you know hopefully we don't see anything like that again man it's very unfortunate that was that was pretty gruesome we're talking to st peter's assistant coach marlon guild as we preview the final four now marlon you said Louisville's probably going to win this whole thing, so you expect Louisville to get it done tonight? Uh, yeah, I, I expect them to get it done. It won't be a cakewalk, but I think I think Louisville will win by ten. Okay. Do you, do you see it kind of like the Duke game last week, where they just overwhelm them at the end, or is it? Uh, yeah, I I think that that'll be what it is towards the end. I, I mean, Louisville plays different styles of defense. You know, they get up in you. Uh, Russ Smith is just playing out of this world right now. Right. Uh, is just doing what he does. And uh, you know what? The, the big X factor, I, I think, will be the front court, man. How, you know, everybody knows what Jane can do on a defensive end. And, uh, you know, Blackshear and, and Bahannon, I don't think those two guys get the necessary respect that they deserve. Uh, you know, on any other team, they're probably the team's best players. And, uh, you know, they just have everything rolling in their favor right now. And they are playing some big-time basketball. Let's move to the nightcap for tonight, Syracuse, Michigan. We all know about the Syracuse 2-3 zone. I mean, Syracuse four opponents in this particular tournament have shot 28% from the field, 15% from three-point range. So we know that this 2-3 zone by Syracuse has been suffocating teams throughout the course of this tournament. This is Michigan's first time seeing this zone, and you have Brandon Trish come out and talk about that. How much will that factor in the game, Michigan's first time seeing this zone? Uh, you know what? It, it will affect them, but the biggest thing with the zone or, or to go against the zone is to have a shooter. And, uh, you know, I, I think Stauskas last week showed us that he can shoot the ball pretty well. Uh, and all it takes is one guy to hit a couple shots, and, and it can get contagious. You know, obviously Trey Burke last Friday hitting a big shot against Kansas proved that he can shoot the ball. And, um, you know, you, you've got the biggest thing I think with Michigan going against this zone is that they have pretty much they're playing four guards in a big. And anytime you can get into the lane, you know, and, and distort the zone and, and kick out for open shots, it's going to help you. Uh, you know, Burke can get into the lane. Uh, Robinson can put the ball on the floor at, at 6-6. Hardaway, the same thing. And, uh, you know, it, it can definitely open things up. But, you know, Syracuse is just so long, uh, you right. know, with, with Carter-Williams at the top and, and Trish. And, uh, you know, you look at their front court. you got Sutherland, uh, Fair, 
and uh, Christmas. Those are long guys, man. So it, it's it sounds easy, you know, to have the shooters. That definitely does help. But to have that length, man, it's just so tough. You know, it'll be tough for, for Michigan. But um, that that'll, it'll be an interesting game as well, man. I think Michigan's kind of like Wichita State right now, playing with a lot of confidence. And, you know, the biggest thing, man, is these guys are all young. You know, they're all freshmen right. and sophomores. Um, you know, and then you got Mitch McGarry on the inside who – I love his game, you know, like no other, man, because he has the biggest thing you need in this game of basketball, and that's heart and, and toughness, and he brings that every night. And we, we we know Michigan throughout the course of the year, they like to run, they like to get in the open court. We saw how they overwhelmed Florida last week. But if this game is a Syracuse temple, temple excuse me, can Michigan win this game with a Syracuse tempo? Uh, you know, I, I think they can, man, because if you look at Syracuse, they like to push the ball as well and, and have Sutherland spot up the threes. Um, you know, so I definitely think it's it's a game that they can match the tempo, but you don't want to get caught up in it too much. And I think, you know, with, with the guys that Michigan has, you know, Trey Burke being a leader, I think he'll be able to dictate the game more than Michael Carter-Williams does. Now, does okay. that mean Michigan wins the game? Uh, I can't see that happening, but, you know, it, it'll definitely be a close one. Now, you, you talked about Trey Burke, and he's been impressive throughout the course of this season, impressive in this tournament as well. What do you see out of Trey Burke? How impressed are you with Trey Burke? Uh, you know what? I didn't really know of him uh, this year, and as the tournament's gone on, I've actually gone back and watched maybe about five of their games uh, this year prior to the NCAA tournament. And you know what, man? He's just consistent. You know, he's never too high, never never too low. And and that's what you need in your point guard, man, a guy that can just keep things even keel. And, And he's done that all year. And to do it as a sophomore, man, it speaks volume on him as a person and as a player. And, uh, you know, you, you do your research on him. He's kind of kind of had no choice. Uh, you know, in high school, he played for uh, Jared Sullinger's dad, you, you know. So right. he, he knows what it takes uh, to, to get the job done. Definitely, definitely. And we'll see if he has what it takes tonight against Syracuse. How do you see that game playing out? Who wins it? Uh that one, I'm going to say Syracuse by four. Syracuse um, by four, okay. Syracuse by four. Sutherland's playing on another level right now. Michael Carter-Williams is playing the way everybody expected him to play. And uh, I'll say this, man. The unsung hero at Syracuse is C.J. Fair. You know, uh, another guy that doesn't get the, the limelight, but if, if you look at his box score, He'll probably have 11 points, eight rebounds tonight. Well, we'll see. Definitely. I mean, it's going to be. I think it's going to be. A, I think this is the highlight of the whole Final Four. I think the not the whole Final Four, but I mean, I think this is the better of the two games tonight. And just all in all, we all talked about this Louisville and everybody else. Which of these three teams has the best shot to beat Louisville? Uh I, I, w- I would say Syracuse, just because they're familiar with them. Right. Uh, you know, they, that's what they I was played. 
They played three times this year, and if you go back to the Big East championship game, Syracuse was up, and right. uh, you know they kind of they kind of let it slip slip away from them. And I, I think going into Monday night's game, if they were to, if Louisville were to play Syracuse, Syracuse would know what it would take to get the job done. But right now, you know Louisville is just playing. You know they're they're playing with emotion, and if it's channeled in the right way. It's unstoppable. Uh, so it, it'll. I'm, I'm going to say Louisville wins wins everything, but I would say they'll probably play Syracuse Monday night. We're talking to St. Peter's assistant coach Marlon Gilda. Marlon, looking at you guys now. You guys had a rough season, nine and twenty-one, three and fifteen in the MAC. Uh, what happened this year for you guys? Uh, you know what, man. To, to be honest with you, it's something that when, when you at the mid-major level. When you win, like we did two years ago, it's a it's a rebuilding process, man. It's a cycle, and uh, you know, we lost our top four scores from two years ago, and you add on top of that the start of last season, the guy that would have been our leading scorer gets dismissed from the team. So you know, you're kind of behind the eight ball already. You knew it was going to be an uphill battle, but you know that those circumstances definitely don't help. Um, and, you know, going into this year, you know, I would say, you know, we were 9-21. and 21. If if we could hit free throws, and uh, we probably had a 500 record. But, uh, you know, we came up on the short end of the stick, I want to say, in about six or seven games. Um, after starting off the year off well, beating Rutgers and going 3-0, and but, uh, you know, going into the future, we had two guys sitting out this year, uh, Marvin Dominique, a transfer from Fordham, who has, you know, potential out of this world at, at six seven. You know, he can shoot the ball out to three, run the floor, rebound, block shots. And uh, Jamel Fields was a transfer from Fairfield University, who in my five years at St. Peter's, he's probably been the toughest kid that we've had ever. Uh, you mm-hmm. add those two guys and uh, – you know, we've got five recruits uh, committed already, still looking for one more. Um, you know, the, we're, we're hoping that next year is, is the year that we turn things back around and get back to where we're used to being. And then the following year, you know, making making another championship run. And, you know, that, that's pretty much what it is at, at the mid-major right. level, man. You're going you're gonna to have to rebuild and, and start from the bottom. Um, and, and that's kind of what, what we're doing. So, you know, I'm expecting us to be a lot better, you know, next year. Uh, on paper, I'll say this, the team we'll have next year on paper in my five years here, one through 13, is probably the most talent we'll have. Now, how that translates to wins and losses, I'm not sure yet, but, you know, it's definitely something to look forward to, and it's something that we're banking on because we'll have this same roster for the next two years. Hopefully good things happening in St. Peter's College Moving forward, Marlon, a pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do it again. No problem, Paul. Thanks for having me, man. Take care. All right, you too. Bye-bye. St. Peter's assistant coach, Marlon Guild, as we previewed the Final Four this weekend in Atlanta. It is pretty much seems like it's Louisville and everybody else. I know Marlon likes Syracuse tonight. I'm leaning towards Michigan. I like the run and the roll that they're on right now. Trey Burke, I love the role, and I love the way he is playing right now. Michigan, 
they were very dominant against Florida. They were very dominant against Florida. They, they were up and down the court against Florida and really, really blew the doors off of Florida. And many expected Florida to be in the final four. Many expected, said Florida may have had a may have had a, a decent shot to win this whole thing. So I expect I, I like Michigan, man. I like the role that they're on right now. I really do. And I and I expect Michigan now to get to the to get to the championship game against Louisville, and, and it really is to me Louisville and everybody else. It, it really is. I mean, they're on a, a tremendous roll. And the whole Kevin Ware thing, granted, you never want to see a player get injured the way Kevin Ware was injured. I mean, that's not something you want to see ever in life. But with Kevin Ware now and, and that whole mo- thing and that whole thing out there, maybe that's motivation for uh, – that is a motivation definitely for Louisville. But with – that whole situation with the way they're playing and there's a role that they're on, I, I just can't see any of these teams beating Louisville. I see them maybe giving Louisville a game, but I don't see them beating Louisville. I just Wichita State, you know, they, they've been on a roll and playing some good basketball, confident basketball, but they don't have the depth, I don't think, to beat a Louisville. I just don't. I don't think Syracuse has the firepower. As much as we talk about their defense, they're not a big-time offensive team. So I don't think they have the firepower to beat Louisville. But to Marlon's point, the familiarity that Syracuse has with Louisville, I think definitely benefits them if they were to get a matchup against Louisville in the championship game. I really do think being familiar with that ball club would definitely benefit Louisville. I mean, not Louisville, Syracuse. And and I think, you know, they would have uh, a shot. I'm not saying they would beat Louisville because I don't think any team here will beat Louisville. I don't think any of these three teams will beat Louisville, but I, they would have a shot against Louisville, a shot. Not saying they would beat them, but they would have a shot. That's all I'm saying. But I, I, I just think right now Louisville is just on a tremendous roll. Kevin Ware, that whole situation. And, and and talking about that situation, I mean, that was similar to Joe Theismann and Napoleon McCallum and that nasty injury that he had on Monday Night Football as well. I mean, that injury was gruesome. And that's not an injury you see on a basketball court. That's something you see on a football field. That's not an injury you see on a basketball court. The extent where you get the bone popping out and things of that nature. And I was looking for it myself because I didn't see that game. I didn't DVR it. So I had to go on YouTube to see it. I had to go on YouTube to see that particular injury, and it was gruesome. It was a very gruesome injury, truly a gruesome injury. And it was not an injury you ever want to see on a basketball court or on a football field or any athletic uh, field. You just don't want to see that. You just don't. And sad, sad, you know, to see this man. But hopefully Kevin Ware now will will bounce back. He seems to have a positive attitude about this whole thing. And hopefully his attitude and his energy will be enough to get get him back on the basketball court in the near future. Hopefully. Hopefully they'll get him back on the basketball court because, uh, you know, obviously it was a – like I said before, and not to belabor the point, but it was truly a gruesome injury. It was a gruesome injury. That's not an injury that you will want to see at any point at any time in your life. And you just you, you just felt for the kids because this kid's not a professional. And, you know his, his scholarships aren't his scholarship isn't guaranteed. He's not a professional. So the reality is, you know, Louisville could theoretically say, you know what. 
if you can't hold up your end of the scholarship, we're going to have to let you go. We're going to have to dismiss you from the scholarship. You can't have this scholarship anymore, and Louisville would have would be in their rights to do that. They would be in their right to do that. But we'll see what happens moving forward with Kevin Ware, and hopefully he can make a successful comeback. Hopefully. He's got a long road to go, a long road to go. But he can get there, and hopefully he will with his positive attitude. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! And we're back in a moment now. We're going to, on the line now. We have a guy who is preparing for the upcoming NFL draft. The NFL draft is three weeks away. Three weeks away. So it's, it's coming upon us awfully quick, and this guy is preparing for the upcoming NFL draft. Let's bring him in now, defensive lineman, former defensive lineman, I should say, for Cal, Kendrick Payne. Hello. Kendrick, hello. how Thanks are you, man? Me. I'm doing well. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Kendrick, your pro day was last month. How do you feel you uh, you performed there? Uh, at the pro day, I really didn't um, compete at the pro day. I had um, tweaked my hamstring a couple of days okay. before. Um, but I'll get a chance to, you know, have another shot at it. Um, on the 13th, I'm going to head out uh, and go work out with the Texans at their um, invite camp, and then I'll be back here on the 17th uh, with the Niners, and I'll uh, record times and, and, you know, my different stat, stats there. Now, how frustrating was that for you, uh, not being able to perform at your pro day. Was that frustrating for you, or you just looked at uh, it as it is what it is? Uh, at, at one point, you know, after it was up, I had to pretty much look at it as it is what it is. But up, building up to it, um, you know, once I received a little, uh, had a little tweak in my hamstring or whatever, it's very frustrating. But, you know, at this point, especially, um, you know, throughout this process, I try not to be too negative and get too down on myself. So, um, through a lot of prayer and, uh, you know, just support from my family and uh, my agents, um, you know, I was able to get back. And, you know, now I'm feeling better than ever. So it, it, it's, it was it was pretty tough. Is the, hand, the hamstring is 100% at this point? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, 100%. So you'll be ready to go. And what do you feel like you need to show the, the Texans and the 49ers at these workouts? Uh, basically just my – Hip mobility, um, the usage of my hands, and you know my overall strength. Um, definitely on the back drills, I would like to show good feet work because um, that's essential for a D lineman. And um, like I said, whenever they put up those high bags, just showing that I can flip my hips and get around blockers. Now, what kind of feedback have you been getting at this point in terms of what you need to do better moving forward? Um, a lot of it is, you know, just using using my hands better, and um, that's one thing that I've worked on a lot. Um, actually, I did, you know, a little bit of boxing and um, martial arts just to 
kind of, you know, tighten up in, in that area. Um, and uh, you can never improve too much on foot foot quickness, foot speed, you know. So that, those are two. The hands and feet are, are two things that I'm constantly focusing on. Now, you've been training at the IMG facility and getting yourself ready for this particular draft. You've been working with other uh, draft eligibles as well during this process. Has working with these other draft eligibles really pushed you and, and made you more motivated? Oh, of course, man, because you um, – I was around guys, you know, that go to these big, uh, like, SEC schools. Like, um, for for instance, you know, Alabama and um, – you know, it's just you, you constantly hear about them on TV and constantly see them, and they're built up to be, you know, just uh, a huge force to be reckoned with, basically. Right. But, you know, I'm around these guys, and, you know, and I just see that, you know, we're all the same people. You know, we're all, you know, young kids on a goal to, you know, on a strive to get to this one goal, you know, and, and it's not really about the school you go to. It's not about any of that. It's all about that fight and tenacity that you have in your heart and how hard you will push yourself. And a lot of those guys do have a lot of dedication to, you know, this game of football. And so it was good to see that and, and you know, good to kind of – I never really measure myself up to anybody else, but, you know, it's good to see people from different areas and how they do things. And um, I'm glad to say that, you know, I'm up there amongst the top and, and you know, and competing against myself and, and pushing myself harder. And now there's a, there's a there's a special woman who who trains at the IMG Academy. I know someone that you've always wanted to meet, the lovely, the talented, the beautiful Serena Williams. Has that oh, happened yeah. yet? <laughs> no, sir, it hasn't. It hasn't. I definitely was, um, you know, hoping that I would have run into her uh, somewhere around there. But you know, I'm not <laughs> counting myself out yet. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. You got to have a positive attitude, and definitely, uh, yeah. you can't count yourself out. And who knows? Might, somewhere down the line, well. that well. <laughs> We're talking yeah. to four Cal, four, former Cal defensive lineman Kendrick Payne as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft. And Kendrick, looking at your numbers, man, sixty-four career tackles, but eleven and a half of those tackles came for a loss. Was behind the line of scrimmage, so you you like to penetrate, you like to get in the opponent's backfield. What are the strengths of your game all in all? Uh, definitely, I would like, the, the first and foremost, I just think my um, reaction off the ball is, you know, pretty good. And just my overall strike and lockout um, and being able to get off blocks is, is something that I feel like I do well. But um, also, you know, the one thing that my coach has always strived and, and pushed for us since, um, I've been at Cal. Let's run to that ball and, you know, make sure you're giving all the effort that you have to go as hard as you can while you're out there on that field and don't loaf or slack off for one second, you know. If you feel like you can't go, you know, you go, you push yourself those three plays, you tap and you come out and you, you go right back in once you're ready. But, um, yeah, before you loaf, you, you just give it, you lay it all out there on the line, man. Right, right, definitely. And, and football is a very physical game and, but you're a guy, man, that you also you bring the physical, but you bring the smarts as well. You were able to graduate in three years, which is which is very impressive, man. Talk about what it took for you to graduate in three years. Oh, man, it, it just took a lot of uh, support from uh, Cal academic staff, a lot of support from my family, and a lot of prayer, man. Um, 
it's definitely a, a, a really tough thing to, to deal with. You know, everybody sees people show up on Saturday to play, but don't know that they, they've taken midterms and, you know, been up studying all week just like other students, you know. Right. Um, but at the same time, we're paying for uh, it's big-time college football. So, And especially being here at Cal, you know, one of the top universities in the world, um, it, it's definitely not an easy thing. But with the support staff and, the, you know, the family foundation that we have around here, um, if you want to, it's definitely doable. So that's what I would just like to thank thank everybody who you know uh, helped me out with that because that's definitely a big accomplishment in my life, one of the biggest actually. That's definitely impressive, man. Truly, truly impressive. We're talking to former Cal defensive lineman Kendrick Payne as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft. And this whole draft process is a long dra- process, man. A very long process. In a lot of ways, you have to prove yourself. All over again. Give us a perspective of how difficult this process really is. Uh, a lot of the, you know, the difficulty that comes in, especially with me, is just really not knowing anything, you know, not hearing too much, um, just having to wake yourself up, pull yourself up out of bed and continue to work and just know that that day will be here sooner than later, um, you know, where it's going to be your your chance to either, you know, be uh, drafted or get on the team through free agency, and then from there your opportunity is is short. That window of opportunity is very short, and you just got to make sure that you're prepared. And you know, every day all I can do is just push myself to get a little bit better, and I've did pretty well with that. And like I said, you know, I nursed myself back from the uh, little tweak that I had in my hamstring, and you know, and a lot of it is you know I have the support, but it's not the same as if you were in, um, you know, college and with that whole right. support staff of somebody giving you a schedule on what to do, what to eat, all this and that. At IMG, they basically broke down everything and and taught us how to how to pretty much do it ourselves. So I really okay. do thank them for that. And since I've been back here in Berkeley, man, it's really just amazing to see, you know, how much I did learn at IMG and how I'm able to, you know, keep my diet and, and, and uh, you know, steady and also be able to put on lean mass and also right. go in the weight room and push myself harder and, and do a couple workouts in a day. You know, things that I've been doing, but I've been doing just because I pretty much, you know, had to. Now I still have to because this is something that I'm striving to do in life, but yeah, I'm doing all off of, you know, my own um, push, you know, and it is pretty exciting to see. Now, Kendrick, your your uncle is former Chiefs great Harvey Williams, the running back. Uh, have you been talking to Uncle Harvey during this whole draft process, and what kind of advice has he given you? Uh, my Uncle Harvey just always tells me to uh, represent the family well. It's something that he says first and foremost, you know, at anything that we do. He, he could care less if I'm playing football or, you know, in that classroom, just making sure I'm representing him and, and myself well and, and all our other family members, and, you know, I – try my best to do that in each and every opportunity I get. Also, just to, you know, stay focused and make sure that you're, you're working on one of those things he told me initially as soon as the season was over, right now you get your bags out, get your footwork, get your ladder, and, and get to work. It's, it's no waiting, you know. And that's one thing that I've seen him do throughout the years. It's never with anything that he, he puts his foot in, with anything, you know, that he, he wants to do, he, he's all into it and he's very passionate. And I've definitely um I see where my passion for the game 
and for life, you know, and just to strive to be a better person comes from. Now, now Kendrick, your draft is three weeks away. At this point, have you heard anywhere you may go in the situation where you may go late or a situation where you may have to do the free agent thing? What are you hearing at this point? Uh, it's still around, like, um, pretty much where it's been, like, seventh round of free agency um, is the rating that I've heard, you know, throughout the process. And at this point, like, it, it, I, like I would just say that, you know, it's up to me to go out to these camps and, you know, just lay it all out on the line and, and see what happens from that point. But um, really, you know, it really doesn't matter to me. I just want that opportunity to make that team, um, whether that be through free agency or draft. Um, because I know once it's time to play football, Kendrick Perry will be there to show up and show out. We're talking to former Cal defensive lineman Kendrick Payne as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft. And Kendrick, on the show, we like to play a little game called Getting to Know You. I got a few questions to get to know you better and for the fans to get to know you better. You ready to play? Yes, sir. What's your favorite cereal? Uh, I would have to go with Reese's Puff cereal. Uh, not too healthy, pretty sugary, but, man, uh, I've loved it since childhood. So you've kind of gotten off of that a little bit during this whole process. Uh, I had to. I had to. You know, it was so <laughs> tough for me the other day not to buy a box. <laughs> who, who was your favorite team growing up, your favorite NFL team? Uh, growing up, you know, I pretty much was a, a Oakland Raider fan just because that's who I, who I seen my um, uncle with. I really don't. I mean, I've seen him with the Chiefs, but I really don't remember that my childhood right. um, was him with the Raiders. What's the most played song on your iPod? Uh, right now, it would have to be uh, maybe I would say um, Kendrick Lamar, "Don't Kill My Vibe." Okay, okay. And and what song or artist would you listen to before a big game? Uh, I really have a mix, you know. Um, I'm a huge um, Tupac Shakur fan and, and Biggie fan. Um, some of the older um, rap and um, hip hop, you know. Um, a lot of that, and also uh, I'm a big fan, you know, of Southern artists that are from Louisiana, uh, Lou Webby and Boosie, and, you know, they, they, the music is real up-tempo, and it gets you wired up and ready to go. What was the last movie that made you cry? <laughs> uh, I can't really remember the last one. I remember the first one uh, was definitely The Lion King. When Mufasa died, I bawled, man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's good that you're man enough to admit it. Yeah, it's all good. I was four. It's cool. Okay, okay. Well, you're supposed to cry at four. That's okay. Now, if you could be, and this is the final one, if you could be any fictional character, who would you be? Uh, at this point, I would have to say Superman. Um, I, I don't know who else who wouldn't want to be Superman, you know. Uh, I definitely, you know, you have to take on that mentality when you're stepping on that field because you're going against some, you know, some some guys who who who, who might not be human. I'm, I'm just joking, but you're going <laughs> against some guys who, who who definitely are, you know, have some attributes that are, you know, second to none. And your your drive, your heart, and um, your mental toughness have to, you know, push you past where your your talent or your athletic ability doesn't, um, you know, give you the advantage. Now, Kendrick, all in all. Why should any NFL team take a chance on you? 
like I said um, before, you know, it's just the fact that I every time I step on that field, I'm going to give it everything that I have, you know, my heart and my soul and all the passion that I have in my body is laid out on this football field. Um, I love this game, and any team or organization, you know, that I would be a part of, I would give everything that I have, you know, and just lay myself out there for them. And, and I don't know too many people who wouldn't want somebody like that on their team. And at the end of the day, man, I'm I'm really just a soldier, and I really – you know, want something to fight for at this point. So just give me the opportunity to show that, show that, and I promise you won't be disappointed. Now, Ken, uh, Kendrick, you are on Twitter. Where can fans connect with you on Twitter? Uh, at KPain96 um, is my Twitter account. Okay, T-Pain96? K, my first initial K, uh, last name Payne, P-A-Y-N-E-9-6. Yes, sir. Fans, go on there, connect with this man on Twitter. Follow this man on Twitter. Serena Williams, if you're out there, follow this man on Twitter. Hopefully you guys can link up at some point. Hopefully that can happen. I think it will. I have faith that you can make it happen. I'm always optimistic, man. So I like the fact that you have faith in me. Thank you. Kendrick, it was a pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do it again. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for having me, and God bless. You too. Take care. All right. Bye. Kendrick Payne, defensive lineman, former Cal defensive lineman, as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft. and It's right around the corner, folks. Three weeks away. Three weeks away until the draft. And always exciting. Always exciting. Is there any event... Is there any draft? Well, there is a draft that's better. I think the NBA draft is better than the NFL draft. But the NFL draft, you know, ratings they get is, are just off the charts for these drafts. I mean, it's just been crazy. It's been crazy. It's been off the charts in terms of these ratings. And they do a good job, the NFL, that is, of just really, really just doing these two to three days of drafts. And they're, they're really doing a good job of, of how they – just market this whole thing, just everything that they do with the draft. I think it's great, the NFL. And people watch. People watch. And, I mean, anything the NFL does, quite frankly, people are going to watch. People truly are going to watch. I mean, the NFL, it's the NFL and it's everybody else. It's the NFL and everybody else. It really is the NFL and everybody else. And, you know, the NFL is the NFL. The NFL is king. No one does it like the NFL. No one. No one. But the draft is three weeks away. Three weeks away and you know, a lot of excitement. Oh, truly a lot of excitement, man. And if you're a team out there, if you're a fan of a team who, who was bad last season, I mean, and there are a few who were bad last season, this is an opportunity to, to change the fortune of your team. Who knows? Maybe Geno Smith can come in and, and, and change the fortune of your team. Who knows? Man, and there was a lot of talk about Geno Smith and his whole draft profile and then the scouting report on Geno Smith. And, you know, a lot of people are starting to question Geno Smith. A lot of people are starting to question Geno Smith. And you look at Geno Smith and, it, you know, the, 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 at the height of, you know, he had his pro day 
when he had his pro day a couple of weeks back, I mean, we were, everyone was singing the praises of him and his accuracy. And even early on in the college season, a lot of people were questioning, not questioning, but praising, you know, some of the things that he was doing. Some of the things that he was doing. And he was doing a lot of things. He was doing a lot of things. And he was balling early on. And overall, he had a great year. Had a great year. Completed 71% of his passes. So that's accurate. That is an accurate player. That is an accurate quarterback. Very accurate quarterback. Very accurate quarterback. So, you know, and, you know, his, his 40 time is pretty good. So, so what, a 4 5 40? And, you know, he, he has speed, but he is a pocket passer. He has the speed, but he is a pocket passer. You know, some of the scouts are saying that he's quiet. He's a quiet guy. You know, and you're hearing those type of things. Maybe he's not a student of the game. You heard those type of things. But, you know, all in all, all in all, if I'm a team, I don't know if, how I feel about Geno Smith in terms of a of a franchise quarterback, but if you believe he is a franchise quarterback, you definitely have to go after him because franchise quarterbacks, as we all know, are not always here. They don't, they're not, they don't grow on trees. So the opportunities of getting franchise quarterbacks, you know, if you have an opportunity, you got to go after them. A lot of people have targeted the Eagles as them being the team that will take, uh, as them being the team that will take uh, <clears throat> Geno Smith. And we'll see if that happens. We'll see if that happens. The Eagles definitely have a need on some level for a quarterback. There is definitely a need for the Eagles in terms of a quarterback. There definitely is a need. You wonder now, you wonder now if and what will happen. What will happen? What will happen with Geno Smith? Where does he go? Where does he go? Does he go to Philadelphia at four? Does he go does he dip even farther? Does he dip farther in the draft? I mean, a lot of people have said about this draft that there are not many good quarterbacks in here. you got Mike Glennon. You have Matt Barkley. Of course, you have Geno Smith. You wonder now, will he drop? Will he drop? Will Geno Smith drop? Will he drop out of the top ten? Will he stay in the top ten? Will he go four to Philadelphia? Where will he go? And, and, you know, a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but, I mean, in the scouting report uh, for Geno Smith, a lot of people have questioned his work ethic. His work ethic has been questioned. His work ethic has been questioned. You wonder. You wonder. Pro Pro Football Weekly question Geno Smith's work ethic. So, you know, they're talking about he's not a student of the game, has a nonchalant field presence, doesn't command respect from teammates, doesn't inspire teammates. And, you know, I mean, you're going to hear all these things. You're going to hear all these things. You're going to hear it. You're definitely going to hear it. I mean, it's just the nature 
of the beast. I mean, we heard the same thing about Cam Newton many years ago. These are some of the things we've heard about Cam Newton many years ago. And we heard Cam Newton, what, fake smile? He had a fake smile. Saying he had a fake smile. I mean, it's just, you just don't know. Everybody has an opinion. But again, this guy, Naraki, doesn't work for an NFL team. He's a member of the media. He's a member of the media. He's a member of the media. He says that Geno Smith is not a student of the game. And we've heard otherwise. We've heard different. I heard Chris Mortensen say in an interview uh, yesterday how Geno Smith was a guy who, who at Peyton and Eli's camp, he was one of the guys who, who was really on top of things in terms of studying, really on top, top of things in terms of being a student of the game. So you're hearing conflicting things. Some say he is a student of the game. They're saying now he's not a student of the game. They're questioning his work ethic. He's not a hard worker. So you just, you know, you, you're hearing all different type of things. And you really don't know what to believe. And the only way you can find out some of these things is by talking to the kid. That's really, truly the only way you can find out whether or not he is a student of the game, whether or not he is commanding or does whether or not he has a commanding presence or not. I mean, those are the things that you can find out by talking to the kid. Well, this guy hasn't talked to the kid in the Rocky. In the Rocky, he hasn't talked to the kid, so he doesn't know. He, doesn't, he hasn't talked he hasn't spoke to this kid. He has not spoke to uh, Geno Smith. He hasn't. He hasn't. So, it is what it is. I guess he's going off of what, you know, just talking to whoever he talked to and dealing with whoever he dealt with to figure out what's going on. But here's our, here are some of the negatives about Geno Smith. Well, in his summary of Geno Smith, he says Smith is a gimmick, overhyped product of the system, lacking the football savvy, work habits, and focus to cement a starting job. It could drain energy from a quarterback room. Will be overdrafted and struggle to produce against NFL defensive complexities. That's what Nolan Naraki says about Geno Smith. Some of the negatives about Geno Smith. Says he forces throws, takes unnecessary sacks, not an elusive scrambler, does not feel pressure well, bad work ethic, marginal work ethic, had bad interviews at the combine. Did not understand concepts on the whiteboard. You know, these are some of the things, ball security, these are some of the things you're hearing about this guy. And this is not my scouting report. This is Nolan Naraki scouting report. This is his scouting report. Whether Geno Smith will be good on the next level is, I mean, you never know. Just the reality of the NFL draft. You just never know the ultimate crapshoot. It's a crapshoot. You don't know. It's just, you're just projecting what you believe guys will be. It's just a projection. Will Geno Smith be successful on the next level? We'll see. Seemed to struggle against better competition. Got off to that great start, but seemed to struggle late in the year against better competition. Why? 
Who knows? But we'll find out. We shall find out. Some team is going to pick him. He's probably going to go in the top ten. I don't see him going lower than the top ten. I really don't. And I wouldn't be surprised if Philadelphia took him at four. I really wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if Philly took him at four. But we'll see what happens with Geno Smith moving forward as this draft comes to us in three weeks. It's here, folks. It's here. The NFL draft is upon us. The second hour of Go For It starts right now. Starting now, and in this hour, we're going to be joined by another NFL draft prospect, Brad Wing, punter, former LSU punter, as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft. He is the highest-rated punter in this draft by many. So he's definitely going to get drafted. And some say he could go as high as the second round. Some say he can go as high as the second round. And that's pretty high for a punter. But this guy is truly a weapon and was a weapon for LSU during his time there. So we're going to talk to Brad Wing as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft. Also, also temptation star Robbie Jones, Tyler Perry's temptation. Robbie Jones is going to be joining us in this hour. It's a big-time movie. Last weekend it did $22.3 million at the box office. So big-time numbers for that particular movie. A lot of people are watching that particular movie, and we're going to talk to Robbie Jones. Robbie Jones had a big role there, big role in that movie. He played Harley in that particular movie, and he he really did his thing. I saw the movie last week. Saw him on his first day out last week, and I was truly, truly impressed with what I saw. So we're going to talk to Robbie Jones about that. And this hour, we're also going to be joined by the sheriff, Brian Sheriff, and he's going to tell us what to watch this weekend in the world of sports. A lot of great things to watch, baseball, Final Four, whole lot of whole thing, a lot of fun, a lot, a lot, a lot of great things to watch this weekend. So we're going to talk to Brian Sheriff about that. I want to move to the NBA now. Carmelo Anthony, another 40 last night. This guy is just really on a roll. Ties a Nick record for his third straight 40-point game. Nick's now winning 11 in a row, and the Knicks are starting now to to peak a little bit. You know, they they had that, that they started off great, had a little law. Now they're back at it. Now they're back at it. Eleven games in a row for the New York Knicks and Mello is one of the reasons why. And J.R. Smith, he had thirty last night against Milwaukee. He is one of the reasons why the New York Knicks are playing much better at this point. He is one of the reasons why. He is truly one of the reasons why, but this is about Mello. This is about Carmelo Anthony and what he has brought to the table for the New York Knicks these past, over these 11 games and and these past, especially these last three games. These last three games, I mean, you're talking about what? 50. 50 against 
Miami, 50 points against Miami, 40 against Atlanta, and then comes back with 41 against Milwaukee. I mean, against Miami, it was just like seeing to come on jump shots and mid-range game was just off the charts for Melo against the, the Miami Heat. I mean, Melo is one of the more pure scorers in this game, probably the purest scorer in this game. You can do it inside and out. And when he's flowing, he's flowing. And right now he's flowing. He is flowing for the New York Knicks, and the Knicks as a whole are flowing. The last 10 games for Melo, averaging 32 points per game, almost eight rebounds a game. So almost 30, 32 and almost eight for Melo over the past 10 games. So he's obviously turning it up and turning it up at the right point and at the right time for his New York Knicks. Now, again, do I think the Knicks can beat the Miami Heat in the seven-game series? No, I don't. But could I think they could? Do I think they could give the Knicks a series? Yes, I do. I'm not the Knicks the Heat. I think they can give the Heat a series. Not saying they can beat the Heat, but they can give the Heat a series. And Melo is one of the reasons why, and it's their size is another reason why they can give the Heat a series. But again, can they beat? Will they beat the Heat? No, they will not. They will not beat the Miami Heat in a seven-game series. But give the Knicks and Melo a. Kudos. I mean, Melo's looking like Bernard King right now in the type of flow that he is in. He's in a flow. He's in a rhythm like no other right now. And the Knicks are on an 11-game winning streak, and they're ending this season the right way, on fire. Ending this season on fire and playing some good, good basketball. And granted, they beat the Miami Heat. They did beat the Heat in, during the streak, but they beat the Miami Heat without Dwayne Wade, without LeBron James. So, you know, take it for whatever you can take it. But Melo slowly but surely is creeping up, creeping up and may catch Kevin Durant in terms of being the scoring leader and winning the scoring title. So we'll see if Melo can get himself there. But right now Melo is balling and playing at a very, very high level right now for the New York Knicks. And, and staying in the NBA, how about the Denver Nuggets and the loss of Gallinari? Gallinari now gone for the year. Danilo Gallinari gone for the year. He was their leading scorer out for the rest of the season. Torn ACL. That is a big blow to the Denver Nuggets. That is a big, big blow. And when you saw it happen, you knew what it was. You knew exactly what it was. And he was, you know, he was the Nuggets' leading scorer, and they're without their second leading scorer and uh, Ty Lawson. So, not a good situation right now for the Nuggets. Not a good situation. And Gallinari was their second leading scorer, not Ty Lawson is their number one scorer. And they're without their, their top two scores. They're without their top two scores. That's a big blow. That is a big, big blow. And you knew it the moment it happened, that it was not going to be good. Can Denver replace that? I don't know. They're a, team, a balanced team. They have a balanced roster. Lawson and Iguodala, Kenneth Fareed. I mean, they're a balanced, balanced team. And a part, of, you know, a big part of their team's success was Gallinari and the versatility that he brought to the table for that ball club. 
it's going to be a big loss. And you wonder what's going to happen with the Nuggets moving forward. Can they? I don't think they're going to be able to. Well, Corey Brewer has been playing well for Denver, but it's going to affect their depth. Definitely is. But this is a team that, you know, they have six guys who average in double figures. Six guys. And Andre Miller and JaVale McGee are at 9.7 and 9.3 points per game. So they could arguably have, when it's all said and done, close to eight guys who's averaged in double figures. So it's a balanced, balanced roster. But the thing about it now is you're missing Gallinari, a guy who was big time for you. You're also missing Ty Lawson, and hopefully Ty Lawson, who is out indefinitely at this point, but hopefully he can come back and kind of settle to settle some things for your ball club, hopefully. But it's not a good situation for the Nuggets missing Gallinari. That's that's not, and it was it was, you know, it was tough to see because the Nuggets were going so well. They were going so well and playing such great basketball right now. They really were. This team was really playing some big time basketball. Had a, what 14 game win streak a few weeks back, and you know they're they're, they're just. They're playing big-time basketball, and the thing about it is now with Gallinari out and, you know, Ty Ty Lawson now being out indefinitely, what happens to Denver into the playoffs? You need Lawson to be 100%. You need Ty Lawson to be 100%. And other guys are going to have to step up. Andre Miller, Andre Godala, Kenneth Fareed. These guys are going to have to step up and try to replace those points that they're going to be missing with Gallinari being out for the year. Can the Denver Nuggets do it? Can the Nuggets do it? Will the Nuggets do it? We shall see. But you know it's going to be tough. Truly, truly going to be tough without those key ingredients. Going to be tough without those key guys. Really is. It's going to be hard to replace that. It's hard to replace your top two leading scorers. It's hard to really hard, but not impossible. But the Nuggets are going to have to work overtime to make sure they can get back on track, to make sure they can keep it going and keep this playoff run going. But it's going to be tough. It truly, truly is going to be tough for the Denver Nuggets. Without Gallinari, without Ty Lawson right now, how are you? I mean, the Western Conference is tough. The Western Conference is a tough, tough conference. really is. And if the playoffs were to end today, the Nuggets would be playing the Golden State Warriors. It's not going to be an easy out. Not going to be an easy out. And there's not many easy outs in the Western Conference. It's just not. It's just not. And Oklahoma City now, has surpassed the San Antonio Spurs as the top team in the West. So Oklahoma City now has the best record in the Western Conference. Well, them and the Spurs are tied, but Oklahoma City has the advantage. But they're tied. They are tied. But you look at the West, and we've been spending a lot of time on the bottom, at the bottom of the West, and, and looking at the Los Angeles Lakers and what's going to happen with the Lakers. You know, they got the Utah Jazz. Right there, half a game behind them as they battle out for the final spot in the playoffs. It's going to be interesting to see how this thing ends. 
truly, truly going to be interesting. I, I said it a few weeks back, I think the Lakers get in. I think Kobe's going to will them in. He's going to will them into the playoffs. That's all he's going to do because moving, I, I don't see the Lakers beating anybody, any of the top teams in a seven-game series. Could they scare a team? Possibly. But I don't I don't see them beating. I, I just don't. I don't see the Lakers beating any of the top teams in the West. They haven't had much success against the top teams in the West. They really haven't. So I, I don't see the Lakers beating any of the top teams in the West. I think it's going to take it. It's just going to be enough. They're going to have to, to to do all they can just to get into the playoffs. But I don't see them. Other than that, I, I can't see them going deep in these playoffs. I, I can't see them going deep. I, I just can't. They're just not good enough. They're not good enough. They're just not. They're not. It's gonna. It, it, it's just gonna take enough for them just to get to the playoffs. It's gonna take all they have. It's gonna take all they have to get into the playoffs. And I don't think they can beat anybody, any of the top seeds, I should say, in a seven-game series. I don't see them beating. Do you see them beating? Do you see them beating the San Antonio Spurs in a seven-game series? Do you see them beating Oklahoma City in a seven-game series? Do you see them beating any of those top teams in a long series or seven-game series? No. Not at all. Don't see it happening. Not possible. Lakers are just not good enough. The talent is there, but really, can you see them beating one of those teams. Could they scare them? Sure. But can they beat them? No. In a seven-game series, Kobe would have to be, or I would have to play, lights out. He would have to be lights out. He'd have to be at his complete and utter best. He would have to be at his complete and utter best for that to happen. That's just it. He would have to be at his complete and utter best to beat the top teams in the West. And the Lakers haven't had much success against the top teams in the West. But I've heard others say this, and a lot of truth to it. What is the playoffs without the Lakers? I mean, what is the playoffs without the Lakers? And it would be exciting to me to see the Lakers in the playoffs. I love to see the Lakers in the playoffs. Love it. I want them to make the playoffs. I want them to make the playoffs. I want them to make the playoffs. I want them. I, I want them to make the playoffs. And I hope they can make the playoffs. I want them to make the playoffs. I don't know if they will. I mean, they will make the playoffs. They will make it. But I don't think they can do any damage. And that's the key with the Lakers. This team wasn't built just to make the playoffs. This team was built to do damage in the playoffs. 
This team was built to do damage in the playoffs. Damage in these playoffs. That's what they were built to do. And the Lakers weren't built just to get the AC in the, in the Western Conference. You don't bring in a Dwight Howard and a Steve Nash to go along with a Kobe Bryant and Paul Gasol just to make the playoffs. It's ludicrous. Blasphemous. And the Lakers, man, this has been a struggle. This has truly, truly been a struggle for them throughout the course of this year. It's been a struggle for this ball club. It really has. And there was one point where, though I would never count the Lakers out, I was close. I was, I was close. I was very close to counting them out. Very close. Very close to counting them out. And every time I, I thought about it, every time, every time I thought about it, every time I, I thought about saying, you know what, the Lakers are done. Every time I thought about it, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I could not count them out. And there's a reason why. There is a reason why. There's just too much talent. Too much talent. Way too much talent for me to doubt them. And I couldn't do it. I could not doubt the Lakers. I could not. And I think... I think me not down the Lakers is one of the reasons why the Lakers are going to make the playoffs. Now, that's not one of the reasons why. But by me, you know, I, I just couldn't, because of the talent that they had, I just could not say the Lakers were not going to make the playoffs. I just couldn't do it. I just can't, and I think they will make the playoffs. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! And we're back. And we're back. Better than ever. We are back. And staying in the NBA. Staying in the NBA. And, you know, the, the season is winding down. It's winding down. And it's almost there. It's almost there. And you're looking at the seeds. Who's going to be out west? Who's going to get it out west? And we'll get back to that now, but we've got our guest on the line. Let's bring him in now as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft, former LSU punter Brad Wing. Hey, Brad, guys, how, how are you, doing? man? Good. How you doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. No, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. And, Brad, Many have you rated as the number one punter in this draft, head and shoulders above the rest 
It's five weeks away, I mean three weeks away, I should say. Some believe you can go as high as the second round. How are you, feel, how are you feeling about your chances in terms of going high in this draft? Um, you know, as a punter, you know, punters don't usually get drafted. You know, there's a few exceptions. Um, you know, so I really haven't um, thought about getting drafted. You know, my mindset has been just to, you know, um, you know, pray for the best but just expect the worst. So, you know, I'm, I'm just expecting to go in somewhere as, as, you know, a free agent and just try and compete for a job. Um, you know, the main thing at the end of the day, whether I'm drafted or not, is I just um, my goal is to just earn a job next year. Definitely. You left LSU early. What made yep. you leave LSU early and enter the draft? Um, there was a couple things. You know, there was a couple of things at home that, that had to do with it. Um, but overall, you know, I just I just felt like I was ready to make that step. Um, I, I had a great time at LSU. Um, you know, all the coaches, you know, that they were they were very, um, you know, they they were good with my decision. You know, they they were not against it. Um, they they thought you know that that it was a good move for me. Um, you know, they encouraged me, and they just wished me the best. You know, obviously they, they would have liked me to stay a little bit longer, but, um, you know, they, they were good in, in all that. So it was good to have support from them guys. Um, but, you know, I just felt like I was ready to take that next step. And, Brad, during your time at LSU, you, you were very adept at directional punting. I heard you say yeah. one time that you never understood why punters would kick directly to the returner. Talk about <laughs> that. Yeah, I mean, it just it never really made any sense to me. Um why why they did that because you know they're usually pretty good athletes back there returning punts you know you see the guys nowadays you know you got your Patrick Petersons your Devin Hester's and now Trenton Holidays you know I don't I don't see why guys kick the ball to them type of guys because you know they're so quick and so athletic and and so dangerous and you know they can they can change a ball game um, and definitely ruin a punter's night really quickly so um, my biggest thing that I'm that I'm working on and just trying to continue to to improve at is is just directional punting. Um, because, you know, with, with the athletes these days, you know, um, they just continue to get better, so you don't want to put the ball in their hands. Now, you average 44 yards per punt at LSU, so you, yep. you have you have big-time leg strength. Talk about the leg strength of Brad Wing. Yeah, um, well, you know, I've always had, um, you know, I've been blessed and gifted with a, with a strong leg, um, and that's gone back to my days even back in Australia. Um when I was playing Australian rules football, you know, I, my position over there, I, I played up forward and, and did most of the, the scoring. Um, so that sort of requires a longer kick. So, um, you know, I, I practice that a lot, you know, Australian rules requires a lot of kicking. So I would just do thousands of reps. Um, and, you know, I, I've just been, just been really blessed. You know, I've, um, I've worked at it every day and, you know, ever since I've gotten to LSU, um, it's something, you know, I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So I really, really took it seriously. We're talking to former LSU punter Brad Wing as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft. And you talked about playing Australian rules football, and also your father played in the NFL for the Detroit Lions. Yep. What sparked your interest in football? Was it your dad? Um, yeah, a little bit. He sort of introduced it to me. Um, and, you know, as I said, um, in Australian rules, all you do is kick. So, I mean, I love to kick the football. And, you know, when he sort of explained the position of the punter to me, I mean, I fell in love with it. It sounded great to me. Um, you know, you just stand back there and, and kick the ball. So um, he sort of he sort of introduced me to it. He had a lot of old, you know, NFL type footballs laying around and stuff because it's not really it's not really huge in Australia, or at least it wasn't um, back then. So it was it was difficult to find a, an NFL ball laying around. So Dad had a couple of them. So we would we would <laughs> go out there and kick, and um, that's really where it all started. You know, he he helped me out with everything. 
Now, how has Dad prepared you for this draft? Have you been uh, working out with your dad leading up to this draft? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he he's you know, um, aside from Coach McGahee at LSU, he's been, you know, one of my biggest helps in my career. Um, he, he's out there whenever I need somebody, you know, whether it's just to catch balls for me or, you know, just to give me some advice or anything like that. Um, you know, he, he's always out there. He's always um, he's always willing to help me. You know, he, he and my mom and my little brother moved all the way over from Australia, um, you know, just to support me and, and follow my career here. And, um, you know, now my little brother's playing football, so... The, he and my family have just been great this whole time. You know, the support's been unreal. Now, Brad, not too many people are questioning your ability on the field, but a lot of questions surrounding you are about the off-the-field things. You were arrested yep. for assault in 2011, suspended yep. uh, for the Chick-fil-A Bowl this year for violation of team rules. With these things yep. in your history, why should a team take a chance on you? How, how does the team know that you have truly changed? Um, well, yeah, that's something that, you know, me and plenty of teams have spoken about. You know, like you said, there's not, not a whole lot of questions um, with what I can do on the field. It's all off the field with me. And, you know, I've sat down with teams and we've had that exact conversation. You know, it's it, it goes pretty in-depth. But, you know, it's just I'm, I'm somebody just, you know, I, I was a young kid, made made some silly mistakes. Um, you know, most of us do it, some more than others. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to still have this opportunity ahead of me. Um, so, you know, there's no there's no more messing up. You know, if, if I mess up now, we're talking about a job and a, and a life, and right. you know, I, I need to start I need to start you know um, preparing for the future and, and trying to set up a family and stuff like that. So um, you know, there, there's no more. I think I think I grew up a lot too through all that. You know, um, a lot of humility I think helped me as well. Um, so I think just just growing up through all that has helped me, and I just you know seeing things in a different way and just perspective on things changes. Um, you know, once. You know, you go from a college kid being in college and um, you know playing and being on ESPN every every weekend, and then you know you're you're out um, and you're at the draft, and you know you're seeing all these other guys that are that are just as good as you, and you know maybe better, and you're starting to think, okay, well maybe my chances might slip away. So you know you, it really is a cutthroat business, um, the NFL. That's so right. you can't afford, you cannot afford to to mess around. And you know it's a it's been a dream for me for a long time. Um, so you know I, I'm not going to mess it up. Now, what have you done specifically since the end of the football season to clean up some of the off-the-field issues? Um, just just meeting with different people. Um, you know, it was just – it was it was basically just um, just changing the people I hung around a little bit. Um, you know, it was just really choosing – it was just all decision-making, you know, just um, really, really being conscious of the consequences um, – of all my actions, you know, I'm not, I couldn't just, you know, um, do things uh, another kid could, you know, like it was, you know, if it was to go out, you know, with a couple of friends on a Thursday night and, and have a few drinks, you know, I, myself and my teammates, you know, we can't really, we can't really do that, you know, cause we have an image to portray. And, um, right. you know, so it's just a lot of learning for me, a lot of teaching, speaking to a lot of guys, you know, in the NFL, um, veterans, you know, uh, Donnie Jones has been a great help to me. So, you know, I, I've reached out to some of them guys, and they've just sort of, you know, given me advice and, and just sort of guided me in a direction. Um, because, you know, like I said earlier, you know, some of the guys I, I have spoken to have made mistakes early too and, and, you know, bounced back from them. So it's it's good to hear that from guys, you know, that it's not the end of the world and there's other guys in my position and, and that there is a way to, to, you know, bounce back and have a successful career. So it's it's been really good from, from the help I've got from them type of guys. We're talking to former LSU punter Brad Wing as he prepares 
for the upcoming NFL draft. And Brad, you made a little history at LSU as you were the first person, the first player to be penalized for the new taunting rule. I mean, yeah. at the time, I looked at it, I thought it was a bogus call. But how do you feel yeah. about that whole thing now? Yeah, well, yeah, I agree with you. I think the call was was very good, but um, you know, I can I can understand why they did it. It was a, it was a new rule, and I guess they were trying to make a mark. You know, they thought if the punter gets penalized, then everybody's going to get penalized. But you know, the, it was funny because the week later, the same referees had us, and and they sort of said, "Man, we probably should have let you get away with it." You know, after they reviewed it and and all that, because you couldn't really see it. You know, in um in in real time, you sort of had to go back and then slow it down to see what really happened. But I mean, it was a crazy experience, you know, running towards the student section at LSU. You know, you got 95,000 people in that stadium, and you're playing Florida. And, I mean, it was huge, you know. It was unreal. It was something I dreamed of, and it was just I, – I think all of it got the better of me. And, I mean, I I didn't intend to, you know, disrespectfully taunt or anything like that. It was just – I was just so hyped up, you know. I'd, I've never been anywhere near an end zone before, so I was a little excited. <laughs> yeah, you got you – got, you definitely got excited, and – I mean, yeah. again, it was a bogus call, and, you know, it is right. what it is. Right. right on the show, we like to play a game called Getting to Know You. I got a few questions yeah. to get to know you better and for the fans to get to know you better. You ready to play? Okay. I am. Let's do it. What was your favorite cereal growing up or right now? Fruit Loops. Fruit Loops, okay. Okay. Yep. hands down. What is a song or artist that you listened to before a big game? Um, I don't really listen to a whole lot of music before a game. Um, that's that's something I don't do. I cut that out. I, I just sort of just think about the game and just prepare mentally for it. I have I've cut my music before a game out actually. Okay, okay. So who who was your so, favorite yeah. NFL team growing up? Um, growing up, I mean, it, it probably would have had to been Green Bay because you know Brett Favre was on on the front of all the games when I was growing up. So that was really the only team I knew being back in Australia. Um, we didn't get a whole lot of NFL coverage and stuff like right. that. Um, so I just remember seeing the green number four jersey. Um, so that, that, that was the one that stuck out. What's your favorite food? Favorite food? Um, I like a good steak. A good steak is tough to beat. Okay. Okay, definitely. Can't argue with that at all. <laughs> <laughs> who, who doesn't like a good steak? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and the final question. The final question, who was your yep. favorite player growing up? My favorite player growing up, um, let me see. Well, when Dad was at Detroit, that was when Barry Sanders was there. And um, I really didn't understand or appreciate how good he was until recently. So I guess he, at the time, he wasn't my favorite. But, you know, now looking back, he's probably one of my favorite players when I was growing up during that era. Now you, you talked about you are kind of fairly new to the game of football. Right. At, yeah. at what point did you really have a, a true appreciation for the game? Um, I think once you know at high school it, it was good. You know I saw a lot of hard work and and you know I, I did appreciate it a lot at high school because the just the work ethic from the guys was a lot different to what I'd seen before um, in other sports. Um, but once you know once I got to LSU was when it you know was when everything just you know, opened up. Um, seeing a hundred thousand people there on game day and seeing, you know, all the hours, the players, the coaches, the medical staff, just everybody, you know, you, you would not believe how many people are working up there around the clock. So, you know, and that's just one program in this in this huge country we have. So it's um it's 
that sort of opened up my eyes, you know, um, college football and, and now this process, you know, the transition from college into the NFL um, and just how big the business is of the NFL. It, it's, it is sort of crazy um, just, just how big football is in this country. Definitely football is king in America, definitely. Yeah. Truly, truly king. And maybe you can make it with your punting ability, maybe you can make a king in Australia. Who knows? Well, hopefully. They they actually started to air a few more LSU games. I think they aired four of them last year and then five the year before. So so it's getting out, hopefully. (laughs) Brad, I know you're busy, and I know you're on Twitter. Where can fans connect with you on Twitter? Um, my Twitter is just at bwing38. That's all it is. Fans, connect with this man at bwing38. He's very active on Twitter. I know you get a lot of followers, man. A lot of people loving uh, Brad <laughs> Wing, and it's ironic that your last name is Wing because your balls—they really do yeah. fly. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is. It is. We can have a couple word plays there. <laughs> Brad. Pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. All right, man. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Take care. All right. Brad Wing, former LSU punter, as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft three weeks away. And this guy, a lot of people are saying this guy could go as high as the second round. And this is a punter we're talking about. So you know he has some skills. The highest rated punter by many in this NFL draft. Switching gears now, and we're about to bring in a guy now who's doing some big things on the big screen. Doing some big things on the big screen. This guy uh, is a part of a big movie, Tyler Perry's Temptation, Confession of a Marriage Counselor. This man right now is doing big things. Played a great, Did a great job in that movie. Did a great, great job in that movie. I loved the way he portrayed his character Harley. Let's bring him in now. And let's talk about the movie Temptation. On the line now is a guy who's doing big things in Tyler Perry's hit movie Temptation, Confession of a Marriage Counselor. Let's bring him in now. One of the stars, actor Robbie Jones. Robbie, how are you, man? I'm doing so wonderful and fantastic, man. Feeling really blessed this morning. It feels great. Thanks for joining us. Oh, no problem. No doubt. It's my pleasure. Now, Robbie. Temptation did some crazy numbers this weekend, $22.3 million in its first weekend. How are you feeling after hearing these numbers, man? Oh, boy. it's uh, <laughs> Honestly, it's been a really emotional morning for me. I, I tweeted out earlier I was, uh, I, was, I was a little emotional this morning, seeing all the love and feeling all the love. People came out and supported the movie, and it just really humbled me and realized how blessed I am, man. So it's, it's, it's been a fantastic, fantastic weekend. And, Robbie, you play the role of Harley in this movie. Harley's a, a rich, rich man, and he likes to do, you know, what he likes to do. And tell us about yeah. that character. Well, Harley's a really hardworking guy, really focused, uh, you know, very driven type of guy who kind of has some obsessive tendencies. And uh, he he becomes, becomes slightly obsessed with this character, Judith, and, and doesn't, doesn't really regard her marriage or her, her relationship status too highly, and he kind of takes her out of her relationship and kind of leads her down this this alternate pathway. So uh, it's a lot of fun to play this guy. He's a handful. <laughs> <laughs> and you talked about that. I heard you say that in, in other interviews, how much fun it was to play this guy. He had the kind of Jekyll and Hyde thing going on. Talk about right. that. Talk about the, the fun of playing Harley. 
Well, the way I see it is the good guys always, you know, it can be some, somewhat predictable, and you know the good guy's going to be good, and he has his heart of gold, and you kind of can tell what he's going to do. But the bad guy, I mean, you never know what he's going to do. Sometimes you you love him, sometimes you hate him, sometimes he's the guy you want to bring home to mama, and then other guys he's the guy you want to get locked up and thrown in jail. So it's just that, that kind of, those levels those levels of, of, of a person that you can express is just is so fun as an actor. It's just like what we what we dream of. And I heard, you know, you working with Tyler Perry, Tyler Perry, we all know who he is. How how was it working for him? I, I heard that you guys shot this film in like seventeen days. Yeah, man. I mean Tyler Perry, first of all, is a genius. He's a brilliant guy and he writes these amazingly rich characters that people can relate to on all walks of life and and I think that's part of the success of his films is that he writes such relatable characters and people can really see themselves in, in some of the characters in his film. But this guy is just a brilliant guy, and he knows what he wants, and he gets it done quickly. And uh, we did. We, sh we shot the movie really fast. I think it was a 17-day shoot. And uh, I'm telling you, he throws you in the fire, and uh, we, we made magic happen. So it looks like this really resonated with the people, and I'm really happy that the movie's done so well so far. Was it hectic? Shooting a film like that in 17 days, how hectic was it? Well, I wouldn't call it hectic. I would just say it was uh, it was challenging, and the pace okay. was 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 a bit frantic. <laughs> right. Not not quite hectic, but it was it was definitely a challenging, brisk pace we were shooting at. But it, uh, you know, I, I feel like we got what we needed, and uh, it, it really is kind of kind of resonating with the people. So it's great. We're talking to one of the stars of Tyler Perry's hit movie, Temptation, Confession of a Marriage Counselor, Robbie Jones. And, Robbie, looking at this movie, man, from a married man's perspective, you're going to have guys around the country stepping up their game. Your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, I, I, I think that's, that's a good thing because, you know, I, I think it's a really – it's a type of movie that can touch people whether you're single or you're in a relationship. And definitely when you're in a relationship and you see a movie like this, you have to kind of take inventory of your own situation. And what, what am I lacking or what am I slacking on as, as, a, as a mate for my partner? And, you know, and it, I think it, it does nothing but could possibly just help your relationship. You see a movie like this and you know, hey, i got to take care of home. Grass isn't always right. greener on the other side. And there's a lot of other messages to get out of it, but I think it's a good thing. I'm, I'm not mad at that at all. Step the game up, fellas. Step it up. <laughs> Are you married yourself? I'm actually not. I'm, uh, I'm single and... Uh, you know, hey, there it is, ladies. Uh, uh, <laughs> my number is no. I'm just eight one eight. Oh, I know a lot of girls are going to be knocking on your door after seeing you in this role. I mean, I, I got to be honest, man. You brought a lot of charm in this particular movie. You know, so I, I think a lot of women are definitely going to be knocking on your door. Are you ready? Have they been knocking already? Well, I, I, I hope my my address isn't public information, so I'm I'm hoping that nobody's actually knocking on my door, brother. But uh, you know, it, it, the, the attention is is not a bad thing, and uh, you know, I, I feel like it's really a privilege just to be in the be in this industry and be able to have a platform like this just to touch people's lives on any level. So you know, whether it's a a woman who who was attracted to, to something that that she sees, or just a, a couple or something that that you know, their lives were changed or they got something out of the movie. I'm just happy to be touching people, man, and it's it's really a blessing, brother. Definitely. You are touching people with your role as Harley. You're touching people in this movie. Now, Robbie, you have some basketball skills, man. You played at Cal. You, you played in yeah. the ABA. 
Talk about Robbie. Yeah. We know Robbie Jones, the actor. Talk about Robbie Jones, the basketball player. Well, uh, I have been known to play a little hoop in my day, brother. And uh, <laughs> I was, I was, I, that's how I made my living uh, before I started acting. And uh, it is a, it's a passion of mine. I, I don't play as much as I used to because my schedule doesn't really permit it. But I love basketball, man. It's just, it's my heart. And my dad was my coach in high school. And, uh, you know, I, I I got a lot of connections to basketball. I still try to play as often as I can to stay in shape, but uh, definitely it's a passion of mine, bro. Now, have you been paying attention to the NCAA tournament? You know what's crazy? We have been in such a, a, a press cave getting getting the word out on this movie. I've really been out of the loop, but I, I've seen some of the games have been tightened, so a lot of upsets and things like that, man. I heard it's been a really interesting tournament. Definitely been an interesting tournament, man. You're missing out, but you got to make the donuts. Somebody's got to make the donuts, and you're making them right now. Somebody's got to. Somebody's got to. Now, you're a Sacramento guy, and and we know what's going on with basketball in Sacramento. A little up in the air right now. They're trying to work out a new arena deal, new ownership and things of that nature. Sacramento Kings fans are great. It's a great fan base there. Overall, why should they keep basketball in Sacramento? Seattle's a, pretty, it's a bigger market. Well, Sacramento is a place is known for having great fans. I mean, back in the C-Web days with Mike Bibby and the Cowbells and all that stuff, I mean, Sacramento was selling out, and we were having some great teams and great runs back in the day. We were rivals with the Lakers. And, I mean, for, as far as Sacramento's concerned, the Kings are synonymous with Sacramento. You can't say Sacramento without talking about the Kings. And uh, we need that organization in Sacramento. Sacramento is uh, – I just got back from Sac. We had a premiere up there, and uh, a lot of people came out and support. And the same thing with the Kings. A lot of people come out and support the Kings, man. So the Sacramento Kings organization is crucial to the backbone of Sacramento. So I hope they stay. I hope Mayor Johnson is able to do some things and, and keep the Kings in Sacramento. Bro. And maybe you could put your name to it now. I mean, you're starting to get oh, some sure. recognition with this movie. Maybe you could put <laughs> your name to it. Hey, anything I can do to keep the Kings <laughs> in the stack. I'm, I'm there. I'm all supporting 100%. And you look at that whole situation with Sacramento. You talked about it back in the days of Weber and Bibby and all that. That, that was a good time for Sacramento fans, a great time. Oh, big time. Oh, yeah, great time, man. It was uh, it was one of the best teams out. Pedro Stoyakovic hitting all three, Doug Christie getting all the steals, Roddy with the jump hook. Come on, man. See, Weber with the short <laughs> day, Mike Bibby crossing them out. I'm still Sacramento through and through. Come on, brother. Come well, on now. Definitely, I mean. Definitely was a good time if you were a Sacramento fan back then. I mean, many could argue that, you know, you guys were a few bad calls away from making it to the NBA Finals. And if you got there, you probably would have won. Can you you say that again? Because people don't (laughs) understand, man. Robert Ory hit that shot. And when they was up, when they was all, man, the shot that Robert Ory just killed us. We would have been up 3-1 going back home in that series with the Lakers. We had a shot to win it that year, man. Oh, that, that was, got, why'd you even? Why'd you bring that up? Why'd you bring it up? You, you I, to had to. I had to. I had to. That was the year. That, that was the year. year. That was your that year. That was really our year, man. That's tough. But we need that was the year. We need another year like that. We need some more like that. That's why we got to keep Sacramento there. We we got to get another chance at that. Another shot at the title. Definitely, definitely, definitely. But we'll see. Maybe one day this can happen. We're talking to actor, one of the stars of Tyler Perry's hit movie, Temptation, Confession of a Marriage Counselor, Robbie Jones. And, Robbie, a lot of beautiful women on this set. You got Journey. You got Brandy. You got Kim Kardashian. 
lot, lot yeah. of lovely ladies on that set. Were you tempted? Yes, we can't forget. We can't forget about Vanessa Williams now. Don't leave her yes, out. Yes, yes, Vanessa Don't Williams. Leave her out. Uh, oldie but goodie. Still got it. She yeah, still oldie but goodie. Don't even throw the oldie on there. Vanessa is smoking. <laughs> okay. And, uh, no, it's it def- definitely, man. It, it was it was a tough job. Somebody had to do it. Somebody <laughs> had to be around all the. <laughs> I cried myself to sleep at night, and it was uh, no. It was a pleasure, man. The, the, the ladies on set were great and a uh, very beautiful, very talented cast we have. And it was honestly just a, a real honor and a pleasure to get a chance to work with all of them. I could imagine. I, I, I could imagine. I could imagine. Um, are, are there any women that you're tempted by in Hollywood that's out there? Man, that's such an easy question. I mean, come on, man, Halle Berry. Okay. Who's not tempted okay. by Halle Berry? That, that, right. uh, that's 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 easy. That's really a easy. That was the easiest question of the day, brother. Halle Berry. <laughs> she's she's very married, so I'm gonna stay away from her. I don't want to pull another right, Harley right. situation. But <laughs> if Halle were ever to be single now, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? I might be going knocking on her door somewhere. <laughs> well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. <laughs> We see what you can do. We seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're Come capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's early. That's not Rocky. That's cold blooded. It's just acting. It's just that. Just acting. I get That's it. All I understand. It is. That's all it is. Right. You have anything else going on outside of this? Yeah, well, I just finished up the season, the 90210 is the last season, and uh, the episodes are going to air uh, right now in April coming up, and uh, I'm excited about that. But right now it's it's full speed ahead with the temptation, man. We're trying to get people to keep going to the theaters. We had a great opening weekend, and hopefully people will keep, out, keep coming out and supporting the film, man. We're really excited about it. Definitely, $22.3 million this weekend, last weekend, I should say. I mean, that's that's big time, and... Like, to your point, hopefully people will continue to go out and support this great movie. I've seen this movie. I can vouch for it. It's legit. It's big time. Go check it out and support this man, Robbie Jones. Robbie, I know you're on Twitter. Where can fans connect with you on Twitter? At the Robbie Jones, T-H-E-R-O-B-B-I-E-J-O-N-E-S, at the Robbie Jones on Twitter, and I got a Facebook page. I'm not cool enough for Instagram yet, but I got Facebook and Twitter. Hopefully I'll see you guys on there. Tweet me. I'll retweet you. Tweet you back. All that good stuff. I love you guys. And the fans love you, Robbie. And, then, you know, you you love them too. And there's a lot of great, great things going on. Fans, make sure you check it out. Temptation, Confession of a Marriage Counselor, Tyler Perry's hit movie. This man, Robbie Jones, did his thing in that movie. Make sure you check it out. Robbie, a pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but pleasure, the best brother. of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. Thank you, bro. I can't wait. I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Take care. Okay, you too. Thanks so much. Oh, uh, technical difficulties there. Brian, how are you, man? We got you on now. Yeah, hey, Paul, how are you? 
Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me again. Now, Brian, this week we've heard a lot of talk about the whole situation with Rutgers. Mike Rice, Tim Pernetti, you know, he resigned yesterday. Eric Murdoch, he seems to be the hero in this whole thing. But talk about the media cover of just media cover, excuse me, of this whole Rutgers story. Well, you know, Paul, it's another example how nowadays the media really is the is it's sometimes the judge and jury and really forces these high level uh uh, executives, if you will, and people that, I mean, we have, you know, the uh, athletic director, uh, head coach, really uh, bowing down because of media coverage. And I guess it, right. it goes back a long ways. But uh, it's interesting that, you know, how the media will treat this moving forward. Now, we know the tape obviously showed uh, uh, behavior that was totally unacceptable. And then the the athletic director came into question. But we'll see how they treat Eric Murdoch now. We remember him as a very smart point guard in the league, guy that ended up over in Italy. So he's a sharp guy. Uh, the question is, if when Murdoch first went to them, if he would have kept quiet had they uh, gone for the settlement he offered of 950000 and whether the media and the public and a judge and jury will perceive that as some type of extortion. We'll just have to see how that plays yeah, out. That's true. That's true. Definitely. But, I mean, it's just a crazy story. And to your point, it's so surprising. You knew once it kind of got out there on outside the lines and everything that, you know, Mike Rice was going to lose his job. And you knew that probably Tim Pernetti was going to lose his job as well. Absolutely, and even uh, some of the more recent writings, uh, you question the president, who is yeah. uh, obviously responsible for the whole thing. But, again, the media attention now will turn to Eric Murdoch. The other two guys are gone, and for the most part, you know, they, Rutgers is now in the Big Ten, so they got they got that solidified. They got out of the Big East. They're in the Big Ten. Um, they'll focus on a new uh, athletic director, and they'll get a new head coach. And we'll see how it plays out for Murdoch, who, who lost his job, basically. Yeah. They say his contract expired. He says that it wasn't renewed because he was threatening them and uh, wasn't going along with the program. So we'll see how the media plays this out. Kevin Ware, I mean, we saw last week Louisville's uh, guard gruesome injury. I mean, that's not the type of injury you see on a basketball court. That's the type of injury you see on a football field, but it was a gruesome injury. But he's become a sympathetic figure in a lot of ways, the media coverage, the merchandising. Talk about the coverage of Kevin Ware. Yeah, well, first of all, CBS, in my opinion, did an excellent job during. I was watching live. And that that injury, I first thought about Joe Theismann when Lawrence Taylor ended his career. But that injury was very uh, unique in that it had such a large audience. The final game on Sunday at the Elite Eight, uh, a a massive, massive audience. And I thought CBS did a terrific job in that 12-minute delay. First of all, Jim Nance and Clark Kellogg basically laying out. At one point, Clark Kellogg said there are no words to describe this, and he was correct. And he let the pictures tell the story. And they've always had a great director in Bob Fishman who's done Final Four coverage for about 25 to 30 years, uh, always admired his work. And he did, told a great story with just cutting around, showing the pictures of all the players. Since then, 
and you're right. He has become absolute media darling, appearing on the morning shows, appearing on Letterman. He did a terrific top ten on Letterman. And, uh, you know, what was interesting is, uh, you know, the merchandising was right away. Adidas started selling T-shirts with the slogan, Rise to the Occasion, uh, which they've had to pull off the market because they questioned where the money was going. So there's always a, you know, there was a commercial leg. But this is a a, a very sympathetic character, as you said, that played out on national television. And the Final Four later today, we'll see, I'm sure it'll be a big part of their coverage. Louisville plays in the first game, so he'll be on the bench, and uh, you can be sure that he will, uh, his every move will be uh, categorized and illustrated all throughout the coverage today. Definitely, and the Final Four gets started today, obviously. Uh, Syracuse, Michigan at the nightcapper, and Wichita State in Louisville early at 6 o'clock. Talk about this whole Final Four in terms of what do you consider the marquee matchup here? Is it really Syracuse and Michigan? Well, that that is the best matchup, but all eyes will be on Louisville, the only number okay. one, uh, the only num- uh, number one seed remaining. You know, you got a couple of fours. I believe Wichita is the twelve, or uh, nine or a twelve. Nine. Uh, but yeah, there are nine. Yeah, so Wichita State nine. The other two are four seeds. So all eyes on Louisville. Four, the aforementioned Kevin Ware. And uh, what a terrific team. So, it, it, you know, I'm sure CBS would prefer the matchups go the other way, that Louisville would have the nightcap. But, right. it, it, you know, things it just worked out this way. Uh, I agree, though, that this is going to be a great day of basketball. You know, Final Four Saturday traditionally has been one of the biggest days, sports television days of the year, uh, mm-hmm. single days. Brent Musburger, when he was doing it, used to call this the best day in television. And you, a lot of people would agree with that. You know, and it starts with their Road to the Final Four show, which is their traveling uh, soap opera with Doug Gottlieb. Uh, so we'll get a chance. For, for two hours, we'll get a chance to see how that plays out as well. Whether Gottlieb, yeah, how that will play out. Because we remember, you know, there was a lot of tension on that show last week on, on during the weekend. So we'll see how that plays out. I'm sure – They'll give Gottlieb a specific role. Perhaps he'll go out and do some interviews and things like that to get him interwined with that other group because that that does need some work. So it's going to be a very interesting day for CBS Sports. Is it truly Louisville and everybody else? Yes. (laughs) It really is. I would agree with you. It's Louisville's tournament or Final Four, I should say, to lose. We're talking to TV insider Brian Sheriff. And, Brian, baseball is back. A lot of great matchups today, here Saturday. Talk about them. Well, MLB is back, and it's been a very good first week, I would say. Uh, today, Saturday debut, uh, excuse me, Fox debuts their Fox Saturday baseball. And we talked last week, uh, Emma Carver has announced his final year, so he'll be working with Joe Buck. One addition, an uh, interesting addition to the Sox the Fox Saturday Baseball, which today, by the way, is Yankees at Detroit at 4.05 Eastern. So this will run dead opposite of the Road to the Final Four pregame show. So baseball fans want to see uh, Yankees Detroit can turn over there. Fox has added Aaron Andrews to work uh, as a reporter along with Ken Rosenthal. Now, Aaron Andrews uh, 
as uh, you could say is the it person or the hot person, at least with Fox. Very high profile. She's put in very high profile situations. For the most part, she has performed well. Uh, she hosted the Fox Saturday College Football Show with Eddie George and Joey Harrington, and I thought did on a one to ten scale. I'd give her a six and a half, seven. A little excited at times, but certainly did her homework and came prepared every day, all the time. She's been tweeting this morning. She's at uh, they're in Detroit, so she'll be on the sidelines this morning. Hey, by the way. You know, there's a reason why Fox is putting her out there. She's got a million point seven followers on Twitter. Yeah. So that well, means that, something. That does mean definitely. something. But we'll see definitely. how she performs working uh, the sidelines on the field this year on the so- uh, Fox Saturday baseball coverage. Now, real quickly, Brian, as we go to Sunday, uh, you got some NBA there, Lakers and Clippers there. You got Knicks and, and Oklahoma City. Knicks are a hot basketball team, eleven in a row. Lakers battling for their playoff lives. Talk about that. Yeah, a real good ABC doubleheader. New York at Oklahoma City, 1 o'clock Eastern, followed by Lakers at Clippers here at the Staples Center, 3.30 Eastern. As you correctly stated, Lakers a half a game in front of Utah. Both teams, uh, Utah actually plays tomorrow night as well. Uh, Lakers are one up in the loss column. That's going to go down, I think, Paul, to the final day, which is the 17th, uh, a, a week from next Wednesday. ESPN will have both good. Utah and the Lakers will both be playing on that final day. And uh, it looks like they're going to be locked up. So that's going to be a terrific night of basketball on the final day Definitely. of the season on ESPN. So the and NBA, if you're the NBA, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, the NBA is basically settled except for who would have thought the Lakers battling for the eighth spot in the right. West here. But it should be exciting, very exciting. And if, if you're the NBA, you got to love it. You want it to kind of go down to the end, but ultimately you want the Lakers to get in. I, I think so. And we'll see how this whole thing plays out. Brian, also real quickly, women's Final Four. Yeah, no, absolutely. Women's Final Four, they go off on Sunday, sort of leapfrog with the men's Final Four. They play on Sunday. Louisville at California, 6.30 p.m. ESPN, of course, followed by Connecticut, Notre Dame at 9 o'clock. That's Sunday night, Women's Final Four. And you were so right last week. i, I got to give you kudos about that Baylor-Louisville game. I mean, that turned out to be a very good basketball game. That, that was uh, yeah, Brittany Griner's final uh, collegiate game. You know, there's been reports. I, I'm not sure. I guess Mark Cuban is thinking about giving her a tryout. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, that, that should be interesting. I don't see her being successful in the NBA level. But you never know. Anything is possible. Brian, you are busy and active on Twitter. Where can fans connect with you on Twitter? Yeah, always a pleasure, Paul. I'm uh, at Brian Sheriff, B R I A N. S H E R R I F F E. And you also Brian got a YouTube. You also got a YouTube channel working. Where can fans connect with you there? Yeah, that's just Brian Sheriff. Just uh, search me on YouTube at Brian Sheriff, and we'll put up the best segments from your show each week, Paul. As we have appreciate a lot of fun it, Brian. Here. Appreciate it, Brian. Pleasure having you as always, man. And as always, let's do it again. Okay, Paul. Thank you, Brian Sheriff telling us what to watch this weekend, and there's a lot of great things to watch. want to thank Robbie Jones for stopping by. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at the Robbie Jones. 
Also, I want to thank Kendrick Payne and Brian, excuse me, and Brad Wing for stopping by as they prepare for the upcoming NFL draft. Marlon Gill, assistant coach for St. Peter's College, thank him as well. And also, I want to thank you. Also, finally, Brian Sheriff for stopping by. And also, I want to thank you for listening. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant, or you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForItGant. Check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash user slash GoForItGant. For everybody here at GoFort, see you later. Take care. Have a great week.